because we understand that you get the clients that you take. Um, and so we're like, we don't necessarily want to be staring at boobs for the next like four months while trying to design the site. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash halfhourintern. In today's episode, we explore the path of being a creative brand director with both Mike Giles and Chip Allison, who are the founders of Monomyth Studio. So the very first thing that we tackle out the gate in this episode is what exactly is a brand? What constitutes a brand for a company, for a person? Um, How do you stay on brand? How do you manipulate and change your brand? And just all the different things that they have to do as a company to try to help companies establish their brands, which it's a whole, whole lot. So it's a really interesting sort of um, creative marketing sort of episode. Um, I hope you all enjoy it. Without further ado, here is Creative Brand Director. Mike, Chip, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give you guys a total like softball pitch for the first question. So to get you guys like into the flow of things, uh, what is branding and why does it matter? <laughs> That's your softball pitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's kind of a fastball. We have, well, you said we got about 45 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> that's it. It's the only question. No, I think that's... Uh, that's a That's a larger question, I think, than it seems. Um, and many books have been written about that, uh, for, I guess for us, what we would, what we would tell our clients when they're coming through the door, um, that a brand isn't, it's not a logo. It's not, uh, an individual piece of artwork or a brochure or a commercial. It's this relationship. It's an, it's an experience. It's an, it's a whole mess of things all wrapped up in this one little neat word, um, that when you interact with someone or something or or a company or an organization or a group of people, that there is a distinct personality, there is a, a takeaway and something that you relate to. Yeah, I, th- I think the other uh, point to hit on when it comes to brand is brand really defines the personality of a of a company or an entity, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but. Um, when you develop a brand for a, a company, kind of what Mike's saying as it relates to it being an experience, <clears throat> the brand takes on a certain, um, certain attributes uh, that define what the entity or the company um, are about. So hearing you guys talk about that makes me think that obviously every interaction that you're having with customers in any way is an opportunity to either like solidify your brand in some way or to screw the whole thing up and go against your brand in some way. I got to imagine that social media really screws up this whole entire thing of like, I mean, it gives you the opportunity to solidify your brand every single day, multiple times a day if you wanted to. But every post has to be exactly within these confines of like, this is who I am, or this is who we are. And any sort of deviance from that, 
it kind of screws up that whole entire perception, this whole image that's going on. Is your job made any more difficult nowadays because of social media? Uh, I don't know that... I don't know that it necessarily makes it more difficult. I think it simply highlights a need that, uh, at least in our experience, uh, uh, has been overlooked a bit in 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 the last ten years. You know, you've seen the importance of uh, design become more common in in the cultural vernacular. You know, I mean, com- everyone quotes it, but companies like Apple have made it clear that a well done brand can sell anything absolutely um and so i think social media is just a in-your-face constant highlighting of the fact that any intention any any defined brand is it takes a lot of intentionality Mm -hmm. um and it, it takes a lot of focus not just on the visuals the visuals alone don't make a brand you can make anything look pretty but that doesn't that doesn't make a brand. So, and Mike, you're the visual guy, just so everyone knows. Uh, so, yeah, why don't why don't we say this really quickly? Each of you guys say what exactly you do specifically for your company. I'm I'm the art director at Monomyth. Um, I'm heading up the, our creative direction and uh, trying to set that for our clients based on on their needs and 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 the markets they're trying to get into. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I head up the strategic direction for for Monomyth. Um, so I'm the relationship guy, um, also over the interactive side of our business. Um, I guess it's good to define the fact that we're a, a studio that's uh, brand and interactive focused. So okay. uh, Mike comes from the background of brand. Uh, I come from the background of interactive. Um, so we kind of uh, oversee those two areas, but a lot of overlap in, in, in those. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mike, so cut back to what you were saying. So yeah. you saying that visual is not everything, I think, is more important, more important than, uh, you know, somebody else saying that because that's your entire job. Is yeah, so, I mean, things. another, another, we say we're graphic designers, another name for this industry is visual communication. It, the, there's a message and that is that like there, there is a message, there is a goal at the heart of every good brand of like, you know, this is what we're trying to accomplish and everything we do, everything we say, everything we put out needs to further that or it's not on brand. Right. And so like I was circling back to uh, what I think that social media highlights is the content side of things. Uh, not, not just how does it look, but what does it say? Um, and so we, we encourage our clients to, to not just have a, you know, we do a brand guide for everyone, but we want a part of that to be a content guide as well that gets down to, you know, these are the, the top adjectives that describe our company. This is how we talk. This is how we don't talk because everything that we say needs to reflect that personality. Yeah. Um, and so social media, it's just so rapid fire that, yes, it can be easier to stray from that brand path. Um, but I don't, I don't think it, it necessarily makes it harder. I think it just highlights a need that's always been there. I love the fact that you guys do that. That makes me think so much of how TV shows and greater like movie universes and stuff like that will have their own like Bibles where they go in depth with characters that aren't even really important in the show or, or in then characters that are in the show. It's like, this is, uh, Fonzie's favorite color and this is his favorite movie. And it's like, when does that come up in the show? Oh, it never really comes up. But it's like we have to know all these things about this person. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, how do you know that you're getting that person to act consistently from episode to episode? It's kind of exactly what you're talking about on the brand side. Mm-hmm. Right. Plus, you know, then they would never dress Fonzie in a color that he hates. And so then you have this 
you, it's not something explicit, but it's something that the viewers would would pick up on of, you know, well, he's only wearing this, therefore. Yeah, very good point. Is his only color or favorite color black? <laughs> it's got to be. It's totally got to be that. With the white, with yeah. the white with t-shirt. White. Yeah, black yeah. And white. My <laughs> favorite color is leather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would love to know then when a company first comes to you guys, uh, what do you need from them, I guess? I would imagine some sort of mission statement. Um, I'm sure there's like a huge sit-down powwow. So what we need from clients early on um, is their knowledge. Um, we believe that we have uh, creative skills and abilities to pay the bills, uh, but uh, their knowledge is so important. Um, and so early on, we need to kind of get inside their brain. So that comes through a discovery process um, that allows us to know what they think about themselves and what they think about their brand um, how they've uh, kind of uh, what the personality they've projected in the past. We don't necessarily get into mission statements and um, brand statements. We just really want to get to know them and get to know the personality of their company. And then based on that, we push that against, well, okay, what is their objectives from a, from a business perspective? And then we kind of then help shape that, that mission statement, so to speak, or their brand promise. If you guys could walk us through kind of the, uh, the timeline of events from when a client comes into your office for the very first time to when everything is like done, what are, what are like the steps that need to take place? I imagine the first thing is like a survey of the client for where that, what they think their brand is about. And then you guys get to work. What happens first art, uh, or, uh, like just give us all the different things that you need to throw into it. And what order you typically, uh, do these things in. Yeah, so early interactions with clients are more of a meet and greet to uh, determine if we have a, a good fit with them on an interpersonal level. Uh, from that, we go into a, a discovery process where we're asking uh, you know a series of questions to better to get to know them better and their brand and what their objectives are and what their um, perceived um, tone and manner and visual uh, desire is for their brand. Um, and then from that, we go into a, a, a research phase where we're taking uh, what they've told us through the discovery and analyzing that and doing a brand study. Um, we then um, communicate that to the client. And is that say, a lot of like, sorry, is that a lot of like Google searching stuff, like looking at stuff online? And we go, we go to the library and open encyclopedias <laughs> and nice. books. Yeah, for Better sure. Books. It's, it's a, each, each new client is, is really mm-hmm. immersing ourselves in a new industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're not making you know we're not there's not like a monomyth look that when you come to us you're going to get this this look and that's what you're going to like no we're trying to step into the clothes of another industry and learn how it it functions and and what the best route is so it really is a lot of a lot of research first yeah. interesting so a lot of research from a visual perspective as it relates to you know what their preconceptions are for where their brand's headed and what does that look like as well as doing a competitive analysis of of what their what their industry looks like, what their direct competitors look like, what their indirect competitors look like. Because in a way, what we want to do is we want to put them into open uh, open field where they can kind of roam, and and um, and so yeah, so that that's a big part of it. So isn't just Google searching, uh, I don't know, playful logo right. design. <laughs> it's actually digging in and, and uh, based on certain metrics better understanding their industry, like Mike said, and their competitive set. Because we want to create something that's unique um, and effective, and if we're, um, and it's directly related to their competitive. 
And then is that kind of the point that you would get started, Mike, with actually like drafting up different designs and this and that in terms that of art? That might even be a little soon. Um, I mean, at that point, we'd probably start mood boarding and, and starting to work Ooh, through some different... Ooh, that sounds nice. Tell us about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that's more creating a, a, just a general like collection of images and ideas that would would start to inch toward a particular direction. You know, so we we could say based on our research, based on what we've learned about you and where we're projecting, um, we could see these, you know, these maybe three different routes we could take you. Okay. And this route would focus a little more in this direction and this route would focus a little more in that direction and so on. And then we would create like a visual spread to give it in, you know, help the client understand. You know, at this point, we've probably got some ideas starting in our heads, but... You know, it's too soon to just jump into something. Right. So those mood boards generally include photography style, type style. Color palettes. Color palette, pattern, um, textures. And different options of different things. And- yeah, yeah. And so if, it, you know, so then we uh, present that to the client and say, hey, this isn't necessarily anything defined, but this is showing some form of a direction. Right. Um, and this is based on uh, our discovery process, and it's based on our, our brand uh, study. And if we've done those two things right, these things should relate. Um, can I can I give you guys an idea? Some some advice. Uh, I think for the mood board, it would be appropriate and awesome if uh, let's say you had the the things like sectioned into different areas. Like here's like maybe Avenue One, here's Avenue Two, here's Avenue Three. On each avenue on the mood board, it has got like a little pinwheel where as you spin the pinwheel it's got different faces like anxious happy awesome it's like how do you feel when you look at these things okay we're gonna put the arrow on the happy face for that one because it's the mood board yeah you know this is good huh this is good we'll we'll use that (laughs) okay cool. some point maybe not initially but we'll, we'll use that yeah yeah we'll put a pin in that idea yeah um okay cool so and then after you know more what out of this is sounding yeah fast. honestly e- each of these steps isn't isn't so much like what does the cl- <laughs> what does the client think is best um but it's what at each stage what new information can we can we garner from the client so okay we, we've got these mood boards and at this point they remember that oh wait no like uh we we can't do this because this color means means something in our industry and we can't use that um we try to stay away from you know uh, what 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 is this client personally liking if you like we build this brand around what an individual wants then that's unless they're their only client and they're only selling themselves isn't going to help us a lot yeah um we're we're trying to put ideas and concepts and directions out that are going to make them more money. I mean, that's kind of our job at the end of the day is to grow their, help them grow their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things that we're, we're doing is always trying to further that, that research step so that our decisions are based on something. Okay. And so Chip, your strategy, Mike, you are creative art, all that sort of thing. I would imagine, and it sounds like for the most part that you guys are doing very similar jobs for the in terms of you guys are both trying to be creative and come up with ideas and this and that but maybe while you're doing the actual art then you are speaking with new clients chip or, or something along those lines correct yep so um i'm always in a way having my uh, business development uh, hat on um while mike is also creating it, it it's it's an ebb and flow um 
and it's not necessarily he's designing a logo. Now I go put on my business development hat, so right, to speak. Right. It's kind of all ha- happening kind of organically. Yeah. Um, we we like to. I mean, these are our areas of strength. You mm-hmm. know, Chip's Chip's background was in in business development, and he studied and grew into design post college. And I'm kind of the flip. I studied design and art, and then grew into more business roles post college. And so it's nice because we can we can fill in each other's weaknesses there. But as far as design and strategy go, I mean they're, they're inextricably intertwined. Right, it's not one or. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that, <laughs> that'd be great if someone came to you like, sorry, you can only have one or the other. You gotta <laughs> you gotta pick what you want. Um, what do you guys think the easiest part of the process is? When it's done. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most difficult part of the whole process? All of it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, maybe the most difficult part is the, is the, the education side of things, mm-hmm. is correcting misconceptions. Um, I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a step that can come into play at the beginning of it all. Um, someone not understanding what, what we do or mm. what a brand is or what it takes. Mm. Um, so sometimes yeah, getting gaining that trust from the outset can, is maybe the most difficult part. Mm. Um, and a lot of what we, we have to start with is, here's what you think we do. Here's what we really do. What it, Explain the difference between those two things to me. Like what, what can be some of the misconceptions and what people think that you do? Uh, it can be that that a brand is a logo, and that like that's what we do. We just logo I'm gonna design. I'm gonna tell you my company name, and you're gonna come back with a logo, and we're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not gonna it, that there's no research involved, and it's just making something look cool. Yeah, I think the another common misconception is the the cost involved in that. So we're very research heavy, and we develop brands. We don't just create logos. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of online sites and or freelance designers that will turn out a logo for you for a few hundred dollars. Um, and I think that sometimes is a misconception like, oh, wow, that's more than I thought it was going to be. It's like, well, yeah, because we're spending weeks and yeah, I could, I could get this. I could get a hundred dollar logo on 99 designs and I could go to Squarespace and get a website. I'm like, yeah, and you can do it yourself and it can be ineffective and Garbage. Crap! Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> or we can do it right and yeah. you know increase your revenue by X percent. And yeah, so it, it's a value a misconception in, in value of what they're what they're receiving. Because if yeah, I guess I mean no no uh, I mean honestly, if they're expecting to receive just an identity, um, their value of what we do is way less than what we actually offer. And so yeah, kind of educating them on what we do going back to early discussions with them we want to know where they are coming from what their expectations are and if they're going to be a good fit and we can kind of determine in the first sentence or two uh whether or not they're going to be a good client for us um or we're going to be a good agency for them if um we understand where they're coming from from a value perspective if that's misaligned that is the worst part of our business and the most difficult part because it the, every step of the way we're trying to educate them and kind of bring them along and and they feel like they're paying too much and we feel like they don't value what we do yeah and so there's a constant uh friction throughout a project and so that's why we try to do our best to circumvent that by weeding out that potential um and minimizing it as much as possible because what we want to do, like Mike said, is help our clients the best we can. It's not about our own art or about our own creative. It's about helping our client succeed and be successful and make money 
And if we if we're always fighting with them, uh, even not not on a just on an interpersonal level, then we are never going to be successful for them. That must have been so hard when you first started trying to like weed people out when it's like, shit, we need money and we need clients. But right. I can tell right now that you're not going to be a good one. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a early on, there was an opportunity for us to work on a, a plastic surgeon uh, site for a group of plastic surgeons. And uh, Mike and I being two dudes, uh, strangely enough, we're like, ah, I don't know if that's the right fit for the type of clients we want to get. Um, no offense to them in any way, um, because we understand that you get the clients that you take. Um, and so we're like, we don't necessarily want to be staring at boobs for the next like four months while trying to design this site. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, you know, again, we're just trying to, <laughs> there's a certain type of client we're trying to go for. So yeah, it's, uh, um, anyway, so I'll have to say we uh, had to, to pass on, on that client. We had, there's other indicators that we're, um, we were uncomfortable with at the time as it relates to working with uh, that type, that industry and the type of doctors and are they going to really trust what we do? Do they understand the value that we bring um, or are we just button pushers or design monkeys? And right. it seemed like that was probably more the case. Yeah, for um, sure. So we decided to pass on the, on the project. Man. And that was hard. <laughs> I bet. Cause we like money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in the end needed it. It was like month one. Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys work differently in, and or is there any difference if a company that is coming to you is brand new versus this company has already been established for like 25 years and they're looking to go in sort of a different direction? I mean, the, the nice thing about the, someone who's been around for 20 years is they've probably got more data um, on hand that we could look at. Uh, a new a new client, we probably have to get in initially and, and push them to do some some research and do more. Yep. Uh, I would say, I mean, yes, we do handle those those clients uh, very differently because, in a way, you think of the value of a brand. Uh, we talk about it a lot as, as as equity or brand equity, and so what we have to be sensitive to is um, if we make a a shift in in their brand and personality that uh, it is only adding value or equity to their brand. Um, so if we do a dramatic shift in their direction, there needs to be some sort of a phasing process because we don't want their uh, customers or potential customers to not recognize them in the marketplace. And then thus they, they actually, their brand actually hurt their, their rebrand actually hurts them in the end. So right. going through iterative steps to make sure that they transition towards the direction that they want to head and it doesn't create confusion in the marketplace is, is really key. Um, as opposed to a brand new identity for a brand new company, um, in a way, is kind of setting the tone initially, and there's no equity, and you're kind of building that. Um, there's you don't have to be sensitive to what there currently exists. Mm -hmm. How do you guys know when a brand strategy is not really working, and how can I guess we ask ourselves that question about either our own personal brands or our own businesses or whatever it is? Like when you guys are in the ideas generation phase, um, how do you know when something just isn't right? And then, yeah, like what sorts of questions can we ask ourselves? Yeah, not to, you know, come back to my idea, but as I say that, I think like if on the mood board you had the faces, that's how you know it's not right because it pointed to like the sad face, you know? So again, you know, just a good idea there, you know, take it or leave it, whatever you want to do with it. I love it. But, uh, but yeah, how do you know when it's not really working right? Yeah, I, I would say questions to ask would be, what do I want the desired perception of, of my brand or my company uh, to be? And then being very honest with yourself about, okay, so based on that, 
really what is the current perception of my identity or brand or company. Do you find that that's very difficult for smaller companies and or individual like entrepreneurs to be honest about how they're um, putting themselves out in the yeah, world? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, sometimes for sure. Um, but uh, you'd be surprised how honest people are with their with the current perception of of what they um, how they. You'd be honest with how on, you'd be. Here we go. Can we can we keep that in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd be surprised with how honest uh, companies and individuals are about what their current perception is. Um, I think there's some some areas where they may fudge it a little bit, but on the core of what the issue is and why they're coming to you, they're they're very honest, and and that's it's because they've recognized early on that there's an issue, and that's why they're here. Um, if we, uh, but there's still some guidance that we offer in that area. Like, um, okay, so this is what you, this is what you say you want the perception to be. This is from a third party, us as your creative agency, this is what we're seeing, or this is what your, your customers are seeing based on interviews. Um, this is what needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then it's, it's bridging the gap between current perception and desired perception. That's, that's a metric or that's a, a strategy to, to walk along. And, um, determine a brand effectiveness and if it's uh current and uh desired are are have married then you've arrived and if they are separate then there's some issues that need to be resolved for each of you guys what is one like very well known like international brand that you think is absolutely killing it like they are just so well buttoned up with what their brand is A couple that come to mind. I, yeah, go for it. Uh, I would say Warby Parker um, is one of those uh, companies that have, has done a great job of just having a really tight brand. And uh, in every avenue that at least I've observed them in um, has been on point. I, I mean, I, I admire Target and what they do. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty wide-reaching. They're in a lot of different neighborhoods and kind of everywhere. And... Uh, they're they're just they've managed to keep this this feel that is still really vibrant and clean um and and keep this energy going through the years that i've i've been impressed with and and just the the art i love walking in there you know every season and seeing what new things are just like giant beautiful things hanging from the ceiling they've got uh uh alan peters works for them um does an amazing job uh, art directing and you just get these new illustrations every every season and and it's a it's a real experience i think they do a decent job that's a really good point chip not that your answer was not good but that's uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but that's a it, it, it's illustrated how difficult that must be by walmart their biggest competitor which is nothing like that experience and it's like they're almost identical places and yet somehow Tar and I'm sure Target is paying their employees the exact same that Walmart is. You know, it's like all these other selling things. Selling very that, similar products. Yeah, selling and, similar products, yeah. and yet somehow it's just better. I, don't well, I mean, they have the, you know, Walmart. I, I'm, actually, I haven't been in a Walmart in a really long time, um, but I probably will. My fiance loves them. Um, but, like, Target has their their market pantry line, you know, and they just did a update on brand update on that last year, and they've managed to position themselves in a really like affordable space mm -hmm. for people to go shop at but to make that though it's really affordable feel like you're getting a higher end it's very clear that you feel you're getting a higher end product than a walmart mm -hmm. when you're in target 
Yeah, they're uh, you buy a some of their butter it's the most beautiful butter packaging you've ever experienced <laughs> are you serious right now oh yeah no, yeah like, like check out like go and look at their market pantry line it's very it's very bold very clean very well done nice yeah. it's like I, I even asked my wife i'm like this is butter what is this <laughs> this is beautiful but because you know because they took the time to invest in that uh they're you know they've got a recurring customer who was moved by their butter i packaging. love butter <laughs> So you guys, tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Tell us about how you guys started this business. Uh, like, yeah, what all, what all happened that this came about? Well, we, uh, we kind of got pushed into it a little bit uh, originally by trying to, trying to make improvements at our original company where we met. Was, uh, there was a lot of things, a lot of uh, inefficiencies in in how it was run, um, a lot of there was just a lot of unused potential that we saw and really really pushed for it, and, and it was just not responded to, um, which is unfortunate because uh, we really liked we really liked our boss and um, he was a nice guy, um, just wasn't really willing to grow, so uh, that pushed us together and kind of helped solidify this vision for what we could make. You know, we knew what was there, what was possible, what could be done. And uh, we did, we did some research. We we went around and talked to other small agencies, trying to get some wisdom from them. Um, I mean, we were very confident we could do it, but we wanted to wanted to use the the bank of knowledge that was out there already. And in that process, uh, it was good because we uh, was talking to uh, we talked to Seesaw. They're not around anymore, um, but Kyle Hildebrand of Ovo. Um, good conversation and a drink with him and, and realized that we had different goals at the moment. Mm. You know, Chip's passion was really in the interactive and I just really wanted to focus on brand. And we, you know, when, you know, just bluntly asked, like, what do you want this company to be? We kind of gave different answers mm -hmm. and it helped us realize at the time it wasn't, it wasn't. Whoa, you guys needed your own branding workshop thing. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. man, yeah. it's so meta. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, we were doing personal research at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, so we kind of, we kind of, not as friends, but like business-wise, went our separate ways for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and Chip was able to, to grow in the interactive side and running a business. And I was able to get into another brand agency and grow up to an art director position and just really mm -hmm. learn and study there. Um, and get my hands on crafting brands. And so then we were able to come back together a few years later. This is all such a good lesson in patience. I feel oh, yeah. like people are so impatient with their ideas, um, including myself. Uh, like when you have an idea, it's like, oh my God, like I, I got to do this now. Like I got to get this out now. And if not now, then when? And the answer is in like two years. Like it's yeah. like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it can still happen. It's yeah. not like this is forever not going to happen. Like how great that you guys went your own ways, got even more expertise, and then came back to do this. Yeah, yeah. it was probably a, a two to three year process mm -hmm. of really analyzing are we ready? We thought we were ready at the time, and uh, based on discussions, which I'm very thankful for, we're like, nope, not ready yet. <laughs> uh, we'll address this at another time. And then uh, yeah, it was a couple years later. Uh, where we were encouraged by an existing client to kind of swing for the fences and not be complacent in where we where we were, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, you should you should go for it." And we're like, "I don't know if we're ready." He's like, "No, you should go for it now." <laughs> like, I wasn't I wasn't even like thinking about it at the time. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I was actually like sort of debating is is Phoenix still where I'm going to be? Um, yeah. And then I just got like a voicemail from Chip one day. And it's like, hey, uh, 
well, we need to talk. <laughs> and it was kind of like all it was. I was like, oh, I know what this is about. Yeah. It's just starting. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, time was right. We had a piece about it. And um, yeah, after, you know, eight years of knowing each other and really counting the cost and thinking through it very systematically, we were like, all right, I think the time is time is now. And so we uh, put it into motion. And, and that was another six months of planning um, for us to then determine, okay, based on all of these factors, we're going to be ready to jump uh, and hopefully not hit the ground. And, yeah, <laughs> so we, you know, we knew failure was a possibility, oh, but yeah. uh, would rather take the risk and try than just always wonder. Of yeah. course. Yeah, it's so important. Um, Chip, we keep on glossing over this. Uh, you guys have been saying that your prior expertise was on the interactive side. What do you mean by that? Is it like what we were talking about? Like when you go into Target, you're interacting with things? Like so. Yeah. So as opposed to like that, so I consider that more of a, a brand experience uh, with Target. Um, so you're experiencing the brand. So interactive um, is more, um, uh, I guess, digitally interacting with a brand. So web, um, film, mobile. Um, and the strategy and design that go along with that. Hmm. Um, so interactive is, I guess, synonymous with digital. Okay. Um, and so m- my past experience um, was helping a large international uh, hotel conglomerate develop a mobile strategy along with a, a larger other team. It wasn't just me. Um, but taking the design lead on what those uh, mobile interfaces are going to look like and kind of guiding them in that process at the time, the, there was no mobile app store. The iPhone just recently came out, and I was a, a an Apple nerd, and and found out that there's going to be an app store where you can actually make your own apps. And presented to my boss at the time, hey, we should pitch this to this hotel chain, and we did. And they're like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. And then it became a thing, and they're like, crap, we need we need an entire strategy for this. We're like, great, let's uh, jump in and do that. So. Um, so that's my experiences in in mobile and and um, web development. Cool, cool. Yeah. So you guys, I would like to know uh, from each of you, since you guys have started this company and been on your own, what is the biggest lesson that you guys have learned? Patience. Patience from the standpoint of things take time to develop, and there's there's patience at every turn. So developing um, business, developing. Uh, our staff um, developing a cash flow, developing you know what we are as a company and how we want to run is kind of a continuous ex- uh, not experiment but a continuous exercise. So we're always evolving and uh, we have not arrived and I don't th- think we ever will. And so it's just I don't know going through that process or going through that exercise of always wanting to grow and change, but also not getting frustrated that you haven't gotten there yet. Um, so I think we, we are always fighting like, Oh, we want to, we want to be here, but we're not here yet. And that's frustrating, but it's because of all these other factors that we had no control over or, um, I don't know. So I'd say patience has been one for me. Yeah. That's like the number one thing for any small business owner. It's uh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, waiting for uh, checks to come in the mail is also another <laughs> patience-inducing uh, yeah. exercise. I mean, I'll go, I'll go. I'll go with confidence. How about that? I, I'm the over analytical one, which is you know probably good and helpful while uh, working on brands. <laughs> but uh, just sometimes, just uh, taking taking that leap 
and and being confident to push for something or not wait around for it. Um, it probably ties into your patience a little bit. Um, but just know, like, you know, okay, having the confidence to say, this is right for a company, we're going to do this, and we're going to, we're going to, whatever happens, we're going to get through, and we're going to make it work, whatever that looks like. Um, not, not sitting and dealing with the bad situation for fear of what's going to come, but, but just getting out there and mm-hmm. making it happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That'd be the second thing. It's <laughs> not uh, making decisions out of fear, but out of out of confidence. Yeah. I think that's yeah. So many times, and that's kind of the experience we had before. Is it seems like a lot of the decisions that were made in our prior employment were made out of fear and not out of confidence. And um, we that's I mean we started we started Monomyth like, coming out of uh, well paying solid jobs. So. Um, we had to obviously have confidence that, you know, we are going to do it and not make the decision out of fear to not start monomyth. Cause if, if it was, if we're making the decision out of fear, we would not have started it. Yeah. Of course. I mean, and I think for, for an industry like this, you have to do it out of love of what you're doing. Um, I mean, it can, it can pay well. Um, but to, to the amount of work that goes into it, uh, you, you really have to love it. Yeah, you know, if if you just if you just want a paycheck, I think maybe stay as a, a, a just a designer or an art director or something. But yeah, for sure, the amount of anxiety that comes with having your own thing—it's like you better be really stoked on it. We didn't really feel that until we like hired people, oh, yeah. and then it was like because we we care for our employees, and totally. so it's like oh wow, now I'm like oh you've got children, okay, no, like we need to sell <laughs> some work, all right? Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Feeling the pressure, yeah. So, uh, guys, let's finish this thing up. If we could give some advice to, um, to yeah, some some small business owners uh, or uh, you know podcast hosts out there, stuff like that. Uh, what are some questions that you think that people could ask themselves to get the ball rolling in terms of um, thinking about their identity and establishing their identity? What are some first steps that you would give people um, to to make that happen? I, w- I would maybe say first steps would be do your personal research. And it's not so much a question, like an imperative. But like, uh, look into what that process is actually like. Um, get a get a feel for the work that's produced by groups in your area, and 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 you know, ask yourself what am I what am I what kind of investment am I willing to make in myself? Um, maybe start. Yeah. I would say that, you know, questions like what, obviously your goals, what do you want to accomplish in the short, mid and long term, um, are, will net out some really good, um, I guess, directions for you. Um, also asking the question, okay, what, what makes me different from anyone else in the industry that I'm looking to do business in, um, also helps determine what the personality is that you have, um, or you're striving for. And try to highlight some of those differences in your in your brand. Correct. Yep, yep. And um, other questions, uh, like we hit on, or other questions um, would be, you know, what is my what is the current perception of of my brand to the public? What do I want it to be? And then, based on what I want it to be, those are kind of your brand promise. So, um, based on that, this is what experience I want my uh, customers to to have. Um, or this is what I promise to to offer them if they uh, listen to my podcast or um, buy my biscuits or 
do whatever they do. This is what they should feel uh, or this is what they should get when they walk away. And um, so I think that's really the big one is what what do you promise your customers? Yeah. Um, or what do you want to promise them if you're just starting out? And then based on that, developing the strategy around how you're going to accomplish that and the proper personality and the proper approach and, and um, things that you need to have solidified to, to offer that. So, Cool. Good stuff. Guys, Mike, Chip, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that was, that was fun. It was, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> we, like, we like talking design. Yep. Hey, everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.